Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, and it is the day before hump day, Wednesday. Uh, well, actually, today's Tuesday, the day before hump day. Uh, happy Tuesday to you. Uh, awesome, fantastic show planned today. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, I'm, I've never looked more forward to a show. Man, I've never looked on. more forward to tomorrow in my life. Because? It's hump day, damn it. You just said it. I'm going to be doing some humping. <laughs> it's that day. <laughs> uh, anyway. Sorry. Today, uh, Steve Kim's going to join us. We're going to talk some Monday Night Football and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm told he has some sort of take he wants to get off his chest about uh, the television show The White Shadow. I like uh, that, dude. We'll do all that. You like Steve Kim? I like that. My Asian brother from another mother. He'll be here. Uh, also, we're going to continue the conversation we started yesterday about black culture and whether it is supportive of relationships between black men and black women. We're going to bring a lady in from North Carolina, uh, Shamika Michelle. She's got a, quite an interesting social media feed and following. Uh, she's written a book called Naked Girl. She's a former ordained minister. And I was told today, I did not know this when we extended the invitation, but I was told today she's also a former stripper, which I'm not passing any judgment. Anybody that knows my history, you know, I'm not passing any judgment, but I didn't know that was the combination. She, stripper turned ordained minister turned social media public intellectual. Arthur. Author, yeah, it's a great uh, journey. And so we'll get into that. She's gonna give us her thoughts on what's going on with, she's a mom, uh, three kids, uh, divorced I believe now. Jimmy's <laughs> Could be a match I made make in a donation out there. <laughs> Could be a match made in heaven, Uncle Jimmy. You know? I don't know where you want me to put it at, but damn I will. <laughs> uh, so we got that to look forward to. Uh, Smartest man on the show, Delano Squires, will be here shortly after I start this fire. Uh, so let's get it started. Alphabet Mafia and sports power couple, Megan Rapino and Sue Bird, have loaned their names, reputations, and expertise to the abortion rights debate. The soccer and basketball superstars join 500 other female jocks in signing a friend of the court brief presented to U.S. Supreme Court justices deliberating a Mississippi law that would ban the killing of fetuses that have lived more than 15 weeks inside a woman's womb. According to Reuters news agency, the athletes argued in their brief that ending the growth of babies inside the womb has helped the growth of women's sports. Quoting directly from the brief, Reuters reported, the physical tolls of forced pregnancy and childbirth would undermine athletes' ability to actualize their full human potential. The brief failed to mention the physical toll of abortion undermines a baby's ability to actualize his or her full human potential. Pregnancy, according to 500 female athletes, is now an issue about the growth of sports, not the growth of babies. Rapino, a star on the U.S. women's national soccer team, said in a statement, quote, as women athletes and people in sports, we must have the power 
to make important decisions about our bodies and exert control over our reproductive lives, end quote. Rapino is engaged to Bird, a guard in the WNBA. Rapino and Bird, two birthing people, cannot create a child through scissoring, strap-ons, digital penetration, and other forms of same-sex intimacy. Short of rape, they have complete control of their reproductive lives. Their need for an abortion is quite remote unless they change their mind after intentionally inseminating themselves with male sperm. Their passion for the abortion issue strikes me as odd. It's the equivalent of me issuing a statement on skinny jeans rights. The issue is of no importance to me, given my fast food lifestyle. But here we are in modern America. Professional athletes and other pampered celebrities are the smartest, most informed people on the planet. Their ability to kick, dribble, and throw a ball gives them remarkable insight into abortion rights, criminal justice reform, police-involved shootings, insurrections, and viral videos capturing alleged instances of oppression and systemic racism. LeBron James, he struggles to write, tweets, and Instagram posts at a grade school grammar level. But he is one of America's foremost public intellectuals and authoritative voices on the racial discrimination. LeBron, the new Muhammad Ali, once analogized his reaction to learning the N-word was scrawled on the back gate of his $20 million mansion in a predominantly white neighborhood. He compared that to Emmett Till's mother opening the casket of her four murdered 14-year-old son. Money and fame are the sworn enemies of self-awareness. Today's athletes have zero self-awareness and even less humility. They don't know what they don't know. There's no reason for them to seek answers. Their handlers, their corporate sponsors, and rigged social media apps provide them all the answers they need. Let me know the next time Rapino, James, or Colin Kaepernick take a public position that isn't supported by Twitter groupthink. They're not rebels. They're voices for the establishment, big tech, global corporations, corporate media, and the Democratic Party, and pretending to be anti-establishment radicals. The establishment is pushing for radical change, a great reset. Rapino, James, and Kaepernick are useful idiots of the establishment. Do you know how stupid you have to be? to reduce the issue of abortion to the growth of women's sports? Let me, I just want, I want to ask that question again. Do you know how stupid you have to be to reduce the issue of abortion to the growth of women's sports? You gotta be pretty damn stupid. Ignorance is the devil's best friend. Dishonesty is his spouse. I keep saying that a lot of what the left supports is satanic. Rapino's stated support of abortion rights is exhibit A, B, C, and D. What else would cause a person to prioritize the growth of sports ahead of the growth of a child? Technology has given human beings more control over reproductive issues than at any time in the history of mankind. Condoms, contraceptives, 
and abortions before week 15 give us a lot of control over our reproductive lives. It's mind boggling to hear an accomplished athlete argue that abortions after 15 weeks are an infringement on reproductive control. You can't reach Rapino's level of athletic success without being very disciplined and without making sacrifices. Abstinence, requiring men to wear a condom, birth control pills, and female condoms are all highly effective ways of preventing unwanted pregnancies. They're not foolproof for solutions, although abstinence is, but they're better than standing before the world and writing a letter that says protecting the growth of sports is far more important than protecting the growth of life. These people have more respect for animal rights than the life of a child inside of a womb. They'd rather see you abort a baby than kill a spider, mm. kill a mouse, kick a dog. Bet not. Bet not. I'm not gonna bring dog fighting into this, but I could mm -hmm. in terms of the level of outrage and the hypocrisy. And again, abortion, <laughs> that's a right we have. And, and I've been honest on this show, Jim. I, I told you the whole, I've been in the abortion scenario. Not after the fact, but I, I've been, you know, but for the grace of God, I could have had a child out of wedlock with someone that I shouldn't be having a child with. I've been clear about that. But this whole argument is insanity that borders on wickedness. It's an argument a dumb jock would make at the behest of her handlers. Well. Megan Rapino is a dumb jock. Hmm. She thinks we're all dumb too. And worse, she thinks applying discipline, restraint, and sacrifice are behaviors we should use in pursuit of athletic greatness and avoid those behaviors in our reproductive lives. For Rapino, sports are a higher priority than life. Now, that's my fire for today. Uh, Delano, we're gonna roll out to Washington, D.C. and bring Professor D into this conversation. You guys know him, he's the smartest guy on the show. Uh, I think we know where he comes down on this issue, but uh, D, that's the best explanation I can offer for this concentrated resistance. 15 weeks, we're talking, that's three months by my calculations, is that? That's, yeah. That's three months. There's four weeks in a month, that would be 12, yeah. so I, even in the extra days, three and a 15 half. weeks is three months. Mm -hmm. and, and somehow this is a bridge too far, and it, I know I'm not a woman, I know I'm, I'm not even a birthing person under any scenario. I know I look pregnant, but I'm really not. It's, it's just McDonald's trapped in my stomach. It's not That's a what's baby. coming out up here? Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's chocolate milk that comes out of here. But uh, I, that's my best summation or just argument. I, I don't get 
how we've put these athletes on a pedestal and I, I don't get how these athletes are this clueless and why their voice, how people that, Megan Rapino, she can't get pregnant. I, you can't get pregnant mm. scissoring. It just can't be done. It takes a man and a woman. But this is, and, and that's why I said it's like me and skinny jeans. I can't get into them. So I don't have any opinion about it. Anyway, uh, help me out here. Your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I have so much to say, but I, I'll start from the, the, the most important point first, right? And I think this is a clear example of what happens when people disconnect their worldview, their understanding of, of life and human dignity from the knowledge of God. Because when, it, when, you, when you make that disconnection, then life no longer has inherent value. Its value is contingent on, you know, who wants the child, how much parents make, whether the child is gonna be inconvenient for, for the mother or, or the father sometimes. And um, we were destined to get to this place um, once, you know, Roe v. Wade became the law of the land and abortion became more accepted and one party, particularly the, the Democratic Party, made abortion one of its central policy planks to the point now where it's hard to name a single um, pro-life Democrat on the national level. So whether a congressman or a senator um, or someone who, you know, is, is in, you know, serves under the president. Um, those those people are all but extinct. And I, th I think you see we are coming to the point where um, in states, you know, states by state, it's either going to be abortion is illegal at the point where you can detect a heartbeat or it will be legal up until the point that a, that a child draws his first breath. Um, because anything other than that, people are going to say, well, that's arbitrary. If you put if you put the line here, why not put it a little further or you know, make it, you know, uh, make abortion uh, illegal a little bit earlier. And I think what you're seeing from these athletes, again, is just a microcosm of a society that is, has no regard for God, has no regard for even nature, um, has situational ethics, and only believes that, um, that life is, is, you know, situationally uh, worthwhile. Um, because the truth of the matter, Jason, is, and, I, and I'm glad Megan Rapino and these athletes actually signed this statement, because I've said this on, on shows before, I'd much rather deal with a dog than a snake. And the abortion commentary we were getting a couple weeks ago was all focused on the 1%. What about rape and incest? And you, you, I know you guys know this. People always jump to that. Um, it's almost like a Pavlovian response. They hear abortion ban, and they jump to, what about rape and incest? But... Even the people who collect this data, um, particularly like the Guttmacher Institute, which collects data on abortions, and they are pro-abortion, uh, I believe they're a wing of Planned Parenthood, a research arm, and even they say it's less than 2% of abortions are, are, are performed because of rape and incest. But people use that as a rhetorical device because they know it inflames people's emotions and, and it makes you feel sorry for um, a woman who is you know, carrying a child that she didn't necessarily want. But the truth is, the vast majority of abortions are performed 
um, based on matters of convenience. And when I say that, I mean, it's either the right time, I'm about to start a new job, I'm about to go to school, this, this person's already married, all those types of issues. And what Megan Rapinoe and these other uh, female athletes, and I, I'm, I, won't, I don't doubt that there are gonna be some men who sign it too, what they are doing is making it crystal clear that to them, as you said, the growth of sports is more important than the growth of life. And, and I think it's, it's high time that we as a, as a society and a culture reckon with that um, because even Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider, knows that what a baby is. Because when Chrissy Teigen and John Legend unfortunately, tragically lost their son last year, Planned Parenthood sent out a tweet that said, you know, we're mourning with John Legend and Chrissy Teigen for the loss of their son. They didn't say because she lost a clump of cells. And really at, at the heart of this is that in many respects, um, parts of our culture have turned women into little G gods because they're the ones who get to determine life or death. We don't wanna say that, but it's true. So I think it's, it's much better to deal with these things openly and honestly. We can have honest conversations about, about ethics, about the dignity of life, about the worth of life, about creation, um, and about children, because this type of behavior doesn't just stop in the womb. I mean, you see kids sacrifice for careers all the time. And that is one of the messages from that feminism pushes, you know, as hard as any is that, no, don't, just because you're a mom now, it's much better if you take as little leave as possible you know, pull the baby off, off, off the breasts, hand them to somebody else. You get back to work. You, you keep pushing out those widgets and, and working, f- you know, for some other company and let somebody else raise your children. So, um, I, I, I think it's, it's time that we deal with these issues, honestly. D we, we talk a lot about masculinity and men and just where we've gone astray as a culture and, and, I think where we've, it's like sacrifice mm-hmm. is something you do in pursuit of money and in pursuit of individual glory. Sacrifice as it relates to what you create, a child, is like going out of style. That's all to be put on the back burner for your career and your individual fulfillment. And, and so when I hear, here's a highly trained, super successful athlete that knows all the sacrifices they made and the discipline they've shown to reach the highest level of athleticism, but they don't want to apply any of that mm-hmm. to reproduction and family. It's like, I don't why make sacrifices for family why, why, and I just don't, I don't understand why an athlete getting their values that have made them successful as athletes, why don't they get those values in alignment with the rest of their life in terms mm. of, it took great discipline and sacrifice for me to become this successful athlete. Let me show some discipline and sacrifice in my personal life because the tools are there One, you have the option of abstinence. And so I've seen athletes far better than me that abstained from eating certain foods. 
-hmm. so that they could reach their potential as an athlete. That was obviously a struggle with me, and that's why my athletic career only went so far. But the great athletes made tremendous sacrifices. See them show tremendous discipline. Mm -hmm. Linebackers staying in their gap and blah, 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 and working Mm -hmm. out every day on a consistent basis. But it's too much to say, if you're going to have sex, Put this little piece of rubber on and do it that way rather than take the risk of creating a life. I don't understand why athletes aren't like say, hey, let's be more responsible, accountable, disciplined. Mm. Maybe even consider the sacrifice of if I'm going to lay down with somebody, make sure somebody I'd like to have a kid with. I would Mm -hmm. like to build a life with. But instead... We act like the only way to control this is through abortion. Mm. And I just, there's plenty of other options on the table. And, and it would be like, well, the only way to be a great athlete is through steroids. And so cut corners, don't work hard, just take these steroids. And the people that actually like, no, nah, I'm going to avoid steroids and I'm going to do it the old fashioned way. Those people are idiots. We're the smart people. So go out and have as much unprotected sex as you want. And even if creating a baby isn't even your lifestyle, because it's not. Megan Rapino and Sue Bird will not create a baby together. Right. But they have an opinion on abortion. I, I just, the lack of, consi- and, and you know, I talked about this yesterday, D, about it's the same thing. We, we put our religion over here in one category, mm-hmm. And then we put our politics over here or our relationship over here, and they're all separated. And, and I see the same thing. It's like the values that made me successful, that's separate from these political positions I'm going to take. There doesn't need to be any crossover in these things. There doesn't need to be a right. consistent line of logic and reasoning and values. They're all, com- everything's compartmentalized. And, and I just, I find it offensive, I find it shallow, and I, I've, I've just, anyway, jump back in. Uh, I'm gonna take a slightly different take, right? I actually think these people are practicing their religion. Um, it's not one that, that you and I would practice, but it's some mashup of you know secular humanism, situational ethics, anti-racism, pro-feminism, Right. It's, it's a it's a it's a religion of politics and whatever political position is fashionable for the day, these athletes will glom onto. Right. They can have as many tattoos as they want. They, they can send as many controversial tweets as they want. You and I both know when it comes to it, many of them will take whatever the company line is, whatever whatever position is 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 in vogue today with the masses, with big tech, with big corporations, more generally speaking, with the Hollywood elite, with corporate, uh, with corporate media, uh, you can be assured that these people are going to take it. Um, and, and, that, and, the, and the higher the athlete rises in their particular sport, and the more they want to use their quote unquote platform, the more compromised they're going to be. And either they will be compromised because they end up you know, promoting, again, whatever everyone else is saying, or they'll stay silent on those particular issues. And um, I, think, I think you see that 
you know, across across the league. So so when the leagues, you know, paint Black Lives Matter on on the diamond or on the court, I mean, you you knew you knew that, that that's what was coming because everybody is a follower, and we really don't have leaders. We we talk about you know Muhammad Ali, um, but Kaepernick is no Muhammad Ali, and LeBron James certainly is no Muhammad Ali. Um, he, he'll say whatever his handlers um, in in Beijing tell him to say. And I, I think you see this coming out in, in this issue. And I think um, one of the dynamics that, that has been at play, specifically since last year, is the desire for female athletes to have as much of a voice um, as their male counterparts. So the WNBA went even further than the NBA in terms of social justice messaging. Um, and I think many of the people who play there are just as clueless about these actual issues and their actual causes as as their male counterparts. So uh, it, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, I hope that, again, the veil is fully pulled back and people see exactly what's going on, right? They, they said it in their statement. We believe in sacrificing children for the sake of our professional careers. We believe that the money that we make is more valuable, um, is more desirable than the bonds that we would build with our own children. We believe that enriching um, our corporate overlords is, is more beneficial to society than building up the next generation of our, of our children. Um, and, I, and I think you see that all over you know, society and every aspect of culture. Um, and the irony is, I mean, for the last couple of years, I was told that you know, it's possible for people other than women to get pregnant. And that's how you know that these people have no have no real, uh, you know, basis in reality. It's just a bunch of lies because when when they want to um, promote quote unquote transgender rights, then it's birthing people and people who may become pregnant. And some people actually say, yes, you know, men can be pregnant, but when an issue is actually put on the table like abortion, then it's oh, this is a women's issue. Men should shut up, right? Men should have no opinion. So, I mean, this is perfectly consistent with the left's behavior on a lot of these issues. And I hope that everyone sees, and particularly sports fans, see exactly what the people that we root for, um, we see where their ethics line up. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to say that people should boycott sports, right? You should enjoy them for what they are, they're entertainment. But you shouldn't take your moral cues from people who have no moral foundation. That's what I'm saying. I, I want, and this is probably a better question for me than for you, but I'm going to ask <laughs> you and then I, I'll give an opinion. But what percentage, because I'm right there with you and, and I, in terms of like it's their religion. And, and I believe what we're seeing from athletes, celebrities, the global corporations, the po- politicians, the, the whole thing on the left is based on a, a satanic view of the world, hmm. that man is God, woman is God, we are the highest, we are the most high. And, and, and so, but what percentage of the athletes know that they're involved in something rooted in Satanism and total objection to religious values, Christian values, how many of them actually know that and how many of them just have accepted the fact that, oh, 
as an athlete, if I'm on the right side of history, if I want to stand for the right things that mm -hmm. are popular over social media, I'm just going to adopt these positions because that's what everybody else is doing and they're just moving as sheep. Are all the athletes just moving as sheep or do we think any of them like actually understand what they're standing for and what the positions they take, what they actually represent? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think there, there are probably some some number of athletes and, and the, the percentage may change, you know, depending on the sport. Um, and, and I certainly would, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the numbers look different in women's sports than men's sports for a number of different reasons. But um, I'm sure that there's some athletes who, who are for religious reasons or ethical reasons or, you know, other reasons are against abortion, right? So I don't know if that's 10%, 15%, 25%. Um, my sense is that whatever that percentage, the vast majority of those people are going to be silent because they know if they raise their head, they're going to get it hammered back down again. Then I think there's a, a, a small percentage who consciously know what it is that they're advocating for. Um, I would put this percentage higher in the WNBA and women's soccer, particularly among college-educated athletes, because this is where a lot of this stuff, you know, goes on. I've said before, college is oftentimes where you go to get um, indoctrinated into the dumbest ideas possible in society. Um, there's some <laughs> ideas that are so ridiculous that I that I know, I know that this is, this didn't start in a in a mechanics garage. This had to start on a college campus. So for the women, I would I would put their percentage in terms of hardcore pro-abortionists, I'm not sure, again, maybe 15, 20, 25%, con people who are conscious. And then I would put the vast majority of people, um, men or women, in, in that middle part who are easily swayed, right? They are, they are fish who are just flowing downstream. Um, they, they, they offer no resistance because for a lot of them, they haven't really thought about a lot of these issues. Just like, I mean, general society, you know, in the general population, a lot of people don't think deeply about these issues um, and they just repeat the talking points. You know that because when you bring these issues up to people, everyone says the same thing because they've all been taught by the same teacher, right? And, and this is what you get both in, in school oftentimes, in college, through the media. Um, and it's interesting because I think this speaks to a larger phenomenon, which is we, we've stopped thinking in our society. We, we, we do a lot, we act a lot, but we don't s stop and think. We speak quickly, um, but we don't take time to think about what it is that we're saying. And I think athletes, particularly athletes who so much of their work is done in conditioning muscle memory, right? They've gotten to the point where they have a lot of muscles but not a lot of memory, right? They're not activating their mind on some of these issues. They will just go along with what, you know, whatever's popular at a, at a particular time. So, um, you know, I, I think in many respects, they reflect you know, some of the trends in, in broader society. But the single most surprising thing um, on this issue for me would be if even a small group of notable athletes use their platform raised their voice and started to cause good trouble on behalf of 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 the preborn. 
that would actually genuinely surprise me. I could count people like um, Benjamin Watson, you know, former tight end for, for the Saints and the Patriots. I know he's a staunch pro-life, um, you know, Christian conservative believer. But other than him, that, that number is, is pretty small. And I would love to see a group of people, men and women, black and white, all different backgrounds, religions, who stand up and say, you know what? I know these people think they're speaking for us and our leagues, but we don't agree with them. And we do think life has inherent value and, and worth. And we want to stand up and make our voices known. So uh, it remains to be seen whether that will take place. But I think to your directly to your question, I think the vast majority of people are in the middle and they're not thinking at all. They're just fish flowing with the stream. I, I don't want to sidetrack us because one, I, I, I and Delano, the column you wrote today is great. We're going to get to it, even if it's not until next week uh, because of our schedule. But I, I want to make a final point here, give you a chance to final comment. But uh, you referenced Benjamin Watson, and I don't want to get a sidetrack because Ben's an interesting guy. I certainly believe he's a believer. I, I know his position on uh, pro-life. Uh, but w- what I've seen, what I think he represents, and I, I'm not trying to single him out, but in the fight for power, and, and that's what I see, like when I see people abandoning consistent logic and, and a lot of their positions are really inconsistent with their stated faith beliefs, I just, it's like the fight for power has seduced them. And so mm-hmm. that's when, when I look at Christians who like, well, I'm against abortion, but, and I know this party is, that's a foundational core value of them. But you know what, if we had more power, that would be better. So I'm gonna have to overlook the fact mm-hmm. that they're pro-abortion. And so people are seduced in this fight for power. and and, and I. I make, I'm going to personalize it just to make the example, not to self-aggrandize, not to lift myself up. But again, it's like if you look at the way that I operate, it's because I'm so self-aware that I'm not in a fight for more power because power corrupts. I'm a flawed person. I don't mm-hmm. think I have solutions for Jimmy, you, and everybody else. I, 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 I'm just, and so that's why I'm just like, well, you know what? I'm gonna have to go back to this Bible and the things I was taught and, and, and hand it over to God and just let that be the decision maker for me because I'm just not smart enough. And I, I really don't wanna be burdened with that type of power. That's why you, people say, oh, you should run for politics. Like, nah, I don't want, <laughs> I, I don't want that. And, and hats off to the people that do, because most of them don't have, they, they just get seduced by power. And then once you're seduced by power, you just start ignoring your beliefs, a mm. lot of them. And, and that's what, what I say. I'm not going to call out anybody in my family, but I'm just telling you, I, I see a lot of people that profess a love of God, mm-hmm. but that, mm, little bite of power and the potential, oh, if my party could just get in, we're the smartest people on the planet and we can fix everything. We're going to fix the climate. <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, I, I, 
Who owned the climber? <laughs> you smarter than, than Mother Nature and mm-hmm. God. There you go. That's <laughs> wow. what I'm asking. Have at it. Uh, so that's my final thought. I'm going to give you yeah. a final thought, and then I got to move on. I, I think you're absolutely right in terms of that quest for power. Um, and it would be one thing if people say, you know what? I believe eight out of the ten things that Democrats hold up in terms of core values. I really disagree on abortion. I'm going to work to change the party from the inside. But oftentimes that's not even what happens. What happens is people will try to justify and rationalize their support of, of that party by saying, well, if we fix poverty, there'd be no need for abortion. Well, you know, if, if, if we addressed uh, health care, we had universal health care, because even in, in their um, excuse making for the Democratic Party's position, their solutions always bring more, party, more power back to the party. So it's, if you give the people that I want to vote for more power and control over your life, they can order society in a way where we won't have any more problems. And I think, again, this goes back to a, a faulty worldview. And it's one that oftentimes cuts in direct opposition to human nature. So um, I, I, I agree with you on that one. I think a lot of this is about power. Um, a lot of this is about you know, solidifying that, that, that voter base and particularly you know, coming up on a, on a midterm election. And as I said, a, a lot of the people who um, would otherwise you know, speak up on other issues f- for whatever reason just feel totally you know, ill-equipped or, or unable to, to, to stand boldly and strongly for this one. And, and I've seen this even from, from, from men, and particularly black men, who say that their whole thing is about building a legacy and they talk about guys being kings and all this other stuff. But when it comes to this issue, they, they sound just as irresponsible as everybody else. Oh, well, it's, it's, the, woman's, it's the woman's job. You know, she, she has control over her, her reproductive rights. And my thing is, reproduction happens at the point where sperm meets egg. The child is a result of the reproduction. Everybody has reproductive rights. These laws are not banning sex between men and women. But again, for the pursuit of that power, you know, you, you'll see athletes, entertainers, journalists, and, and even lay people um, say, do, and justify anything. Thank you, D. Big D. Thank you, guys. All right, we got to keep it moving. Uh, let's talk about my friends at Built Bar, if you're like me and looking to get in the best shape and wanting to cut out those bad snack habits you've developed, then you need to try our friends over at Built Bar. They've truly been instrumental in my fight to get my weight down and have become a daily part of my routine. They are low in calories and sugars, but full of flavor with every bite. Most importantly, they have a wide variety of flavors to choose from. You can go from their cookie dough chunk in the morning to their mint brownie in the afternoon and maybe Rocky Road at night. And when you order these online, you'll get the opportunity to taste their newest flavors like peanut butter brownie or coconut almond before anyone else. So what are you waiting for? Go order your very own package of Built Bars right now. Go to Built.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back. Time to roll out to uh, Los Angeles. Bring in my Asian brother from another mother. 
the great. Can I call him the great? Is it too early to call him the great Steve Kim? Uh, I think he watched uh, Monday Night Football last night. Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers rebounded, routed the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers, I think, threw four touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers is back, baby! Uh, or at least that's what uh, Steve Kim thinks, I think. Jason, it was the Detroit Lions. You could have at least threw for three. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Steve, uh, were you impressed with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last night? Yeah, I mean, Jay, he never left. This is still Rodgers' neighborhood. And I was thinking about Aaron Rodgers. What is he in life? Like, what could I analogize this to? He is that supermodel or that dime piece that you're lucky enough to date. And, look, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be rocky at times. You're going to have some arguments. He'll give you the silent treatment. And every once in a while, she's going to burn your omelet at breakfast. And if you're going to wife her up, you better get a prenup. But it's still a dime piece. You're lucky to have her. It's always not going to be easy. So last week was that time that she was late. She made you upset. She kind of disrespected you at the company party. But you know what? After you sleep off your night in the sofa, you kiss and make up, and you're good. There's still not more than two or three quarterbacks than you would take than 12 right now. Uh, Steve, it's 2021. And you're not supposed to say dime piece, man. I mean, we're living very politically correct times. Uh, You know, you're not supposed dime piece is very sexist. You know, uh, are you old enough to remember the Bo Derek movie 10? Yes. We we don't we don't make movies like that anymore. So, Uh, you know, they made it nowadays. It would be called Ho Derek. And Billy Porter would play the role. Uh, hey! Oh! Oh! Wow! Uh oh! Uh oh! Start calling this See Spender fella. <laughs> oh. Uh oh! Or Spender wow. fella. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. Anyway, I, I'm not. I think there are a lot of people that thought. Rodgers has still looked a little disinterested, still too school, too cool for school, uh, still a bit aloof. And like his post-game comments, you know, he, he's glad that he got to stick it to the trolls or whatever. Uh, there's still a lack of humility for a guy with just one Super Bowl ring at age 38. Uh, you know, none of that bothers you that he's still arrogant as hell? No, but that's who he is. He's on brand. And look, this, there's a reason why he's doing those Allstate commercials or a State Farm where it's very snarky. There's a certain attitude towards it. He actually made a funny comment yesterday, so I'm glad I cared this week. But this is what you get. And Aaron Rodgers is not a phony. Say what you want. He's had a lot of fractured relationships personally. He's gotten out there publicly now. And it's a very odd persona. It is not your prototypical quarterback personality that maybe you would like as a franchise but the guy still delivers time and time again and look i where i question and criticize aaron Rodgers is this the packers the last two years have gone to the nfc championship game okay they got blown out two years ago last year i thought they should have beat the bucks at home couldn't get it done and then the 2020 season he was the league's mvp had a statistically monster year and I thought him and LaFleur really started to get in sync with one another. I, I would ask him, what the hell are you complaining about? And that's just the that's where I really come down on Rodgers is his attitude towards the Packers. It's not the grass is not always greener on the other side, but in terms of his attitude, Jay, that's who he is. He ain't changing. 
And I kind of like the dime piece analogy now the more that I think about it because it <laughs> does fit Aaron Rodgers because he's, you know, 40 years old nearly and unmarried. And, and looking around, mm. he's basically he and the, mm. the Packers are in a separation <laughs> stage and Aaron Rodgers plans to file for divorce as soon as this season's over. And so he's the unmarried dime piece. And generally speaking, what that means, the unmarried dime piece at age 40 is like, there's something wrong here. There's something between the ears that just isn't right. No, it might be. But look, at least unlike Halle Berry, he's stuck with one man. I mean, this is like like her sticking with David Justice throughout all these years. And, you know, Holly, something must be wrong because as beautiful as she is, uh, there's an expiration date to all of this. We have to give Aaron Rodgers credit, though. He came into a situation where he slid in the green room all the way to like the 25th pick when many people thought three weeks earlier he'd be the number one pick of that draft. Then he basically had the red shirt three years behind Brett Favre, and then he became one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. So if you put that all into context, it's a small price to pay for his snarky attitude, given the fact he's been patient. For the most part, he's been loyal. And you know what? I can't blame a guy. I think he was very frustrated because last year he probably thought, this is my year to really add to my legacy, and it didn't happen. If you weigh all the pluses and minuses of Aaron Rodgers, what he gives you, it's a huge plus. It's a huge benefit for Green Bay to have been able to transition from Brett Favre, their most beloved player of all time, to Aaron Rodgers, who I actually believe is the greatest Packers quarterback in the history of their franchise. So it's a net it's a net positive every way you look at it with Aaron Rodgers. Are, are you wearing an Air Jordan t-shirt? Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah, Team Jordan. That's one-third of my... Uh, of my uh, wardrobe is the Jordan brand. Never bought a pair of shoes, but I have a lot of Jumpman in my closet, yes. Mm, I, I, I didn't know, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, when they make the shoes in your same neighborhood, why the hell wouldn't you own not have to buy none? <sighs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. That's Steve and Jim. I'm not laughing. Uh, hey, Steve, before I forget, hey, hey, did what's the name get him to you? Who? Them nuts! Oh, wow! He went Nick Saban on me! He went Nick Saban! I like that! Stop it. Can we stop it? <laughs> I, I want I got some more questions I got for Steve. Watched the uh, did you watch the Manning broadcast of the game? Peyton and Eli Manning in week two. Were they did they show signs of improvement? Not that they were bad in week one. But did their broadcast, the Manning version, did that improve? You know, it's hard for me to say because I didn't watch that much of last week. But last night I watched about three and a half quarters and I enjoyed it from a football perspective. If you want to learn about the sport and you're by yourself and you can really focus in on what they're saying, it is football 101, how they explain how the too high safety look made the Packers run the ball. It was not conservative. It was common sense. But where Peyton really, I thought, shined was right before halftime. Detroit has the ball right near midfield. They have multiple timeouts. And Dan Campbell, for some reason, is not calling a timeout. And they're not going tempo. And Peyton has enough guts to say, hey, guys, quicken the pace. Get going or take a timeout. Because it's almost like Detroit said, well, let's just get to the 35 and try a field goal instead of attacking the goal line and going for seven. Then at the end of the half, when Campbell – or I think it was LaFleur tried to freeze the kicker, Peyton made a great point. 
Why are we freezing kickers in the first half of ball games? All you're really doing them is giving them a practice shot, and it makes no sense. And nobody's really nervous at the end of a first half. And that's what I love about Peyton. I told you this last week, Jason. A lot of guys can give you analysis. Some of them can give you their opinion. How many guys can tell you how they really feel and be critical? And that's my biggest note uh, problem with a lot of these guys who are solid, but they're not really standouts. They're afraid to criticize people. They're afraid to second guess. And they are very, very hesitant to tell you how they really feel. It's almost like they want to say stuff that's in the range of acceptance or stuff that won't get them canceled or make them uh, trend in the wrong direction. And that's what I love about Peyton. He actually says what's on his mind. Okay. Is he in better position to do that because he's not calling the main telecast? When you're the signature voice of the telecast, Tony Romo or uh, Chris Collinsworth, is it more difficult to inject your opinion when you're the second broadcast, the alternative broadcast, is it more liberating and give you more freedom to say what you really think? No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But in my view, Peyton Manning with his accomplishments and his football gravitas has the license to basically say whatever's on his mind. Look, the thing that gets me is we're only doing football here. We're not talking about the nuclear code. If you think a player dropped a pass, you you should have the liberty to say you should have caught that. That's my biggest complaint about most announcers is that they don't really let it all out. Now, Peyton Manning, would he be a little bit different on the main broadcast? Yes, because it's a different type of broadcast. But let me give you an example in boxing. There's a young man by the name of Tim Bradley who does the ESPN main broadcast. A couple months ago, there was this incredibly boring fight with Shakur Stevenson. And I'm nearly falling asleep. And at the end of the night, he just blurts out, this was a boring fight. I nearly fell asleep. And to me, it made the whole broadcast because he said what was on the mind of the American public. And that's where these announcers have to say, wait a minute, don't sell anything. Whatever on the field Call it the way it is, and I think people will appreciate that. I think that's the beauty of Charles Barkley, not saying that everyone can be like Sir Charles. That would be a little bit too much of a good thing. But a guy like Peyton, I think no matter what platform he's on, given his accomplishments, yes, he could actually do that and maybe have to scale it back just a little bit. But Peyton Manning, his word carries a lot of weight. I think you're right. Take a Tony Romo, solid NFL career but no real postseason success. Chris Collinsworth, excellent player, played wide receiver for the Bengals. You know, that's the reality. And I know he played (laughs) on some great Bengals teams, but it's the Bengals. Troy Aikman has the Super Bowl rings, no question. He played for the franchise that matters the most. But at no point was was Troy Aikman ever in the conversation as the greatest quarterback of all time. And I really like... Troy Aikman's call of games or whatever. But when you're Peyton Manning, you got Super Bowl rings, you got five MVPs, you've been in the conversation as the greatest of all time. It does liberate you. No one can question anything you say. It'd be damn near like having Jordan talking basketball. He can say whatever he wants, whether it's right or wrong. You can't question it because of his accomplishments. So uh, you got some sort of problem with Shohei Otani or what Greg Couch said about Shohei Otani in terms of Vladimir Guerrero <laughs> Jr. perhaps being an MVP candidate? Is, is that is that your deal? Well, 
it's not as my, my disagreement isn't quite as stark as his take on the white shadow. We can talk about that later. But the Otani situation, I think, is real wow. interesting. As if somehow that all Asians that we're going to be like enriched or outraged if he does or does not win the MVP. I, I'll be honest. If you take a look at the the cultural history of the Japanese, Chinese, uh, Korean, we don't all like each other. There's been conflicts. There's been wars. And let's say Otani wins the MVP. Th th there won't be parades here in, in J-Town or Koreatown or Chinatown. I don't, I don't think we really care. And, and if Guerrero should win the MVP, there won't be great offense. We're not going to protest. We're just going to go on with our lives, being doctors, lawyers. We're going to go back to our dry cleaning units and our liquor stores. That's what we do. It's, it's like it, it, this is not this great cultural mark. It kind of reminded me, and I was telling your producer this, do you remember that movie Parasite, guys, that won the Academy Awards about two years ago? Remember that movie, Parasite? Parasite? Yeah. It won an Jim's Academy movie, Award. Buff. I didn't see it. Yeah. All right. So it's about, I don't want to explain it to you. Uh, it's a decent movie, but it was a Korean cast. It was a Korean movie. They trotted out these Koreans. It was supposed to be a great day for all of us. Everyone told me what a great accomplishment it was for, quote, unquote, my people. So Mario Lopez, because of his uh, stature in Hollywood, he has to work the red carpet. He's given the DVDs for all these movies for review before he interviews these people on Academy Award night. So he comes up to me real excited and he goes, oh, my God, see, you, you got to watch this movie. And I'm like, OK, calm down, Slater. I'll watch it. OK. So I watched the movie. The first hour is kind of funny, quirky. The last hour and a half is very dark. It's very dark. And by the end of the movie, the, what I really came out of it is, God, I don't trust Korean people. I'd never let them in my house to work. They might take over my life. And so then I showed it to my mom, and my mom's reaction was, hey, what do you think of the movie? And she's like, eh, it wasn't exactly Korean Casablanca. So these things don't really matter to us. To me, the big story with Otani, if you want to look at what is the problem with Otani, is that under the leadership of Artie Moreno, that they have taken two generational Hall of Fame talents. They have the New Jersey Trout and the Japanese Carp, and they're wasting them. I, I mean, Jay, you lived in L.A. till last year. There are two teams in L.A. that we care about as a populace. It's the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. The Angels might as well be in Mars. No one cares. And you have those two great players. And the other thing is, that as if somehow that this would be this cultural marker for Otani to win an MVP, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I don't see it because there's other things that have happened before. It's just sports. I think that's always kind of been the uh, cultural perspective of us Asians is that sports is entertainment. We're not very good at it. We're, none of us are really going to make pros for the most part. We're going to move on one way or the other. I, I Look, I, I, I get people are concerned about how we feel about it. And I would say how we feel about it is we don't give a damn. You know what I love about that take? I, I, honest goodness, it, it comes from such a place of confidence right. that sometimes I think we as black people lack, uh, lack. We get offended by everything. And everything, oh, she's the first black woman to wear her hair in a bun and star in such and such movie. And she just made history because she's literally, we all, and I, I while wearing a nose ring. Yes, I, I literally have had arguments with people like, you gotta understand the difference between a distinction and making history. 
you that's a nice little unique distinction you've earned. You're the first to do this or for literally I've seen people like she's the first African-American woman who was the editor of Teen Vogue. And I'm like, that, that's you didn't make history. That's a nice little <laughs> distinction. And we I'm just telling every little distinction, we're so insecure and so intent on proving to everybody, look, we're just as equal as you, that we've lost our mind and we don't have the confidence to be like, I'm not in a competition with you. I'm in a competition with myself and I'm here actually to live a life that glorifies God if you're a believer. And a lot of these people claim to be believers, but what they actually believe in is white people. Oh my goodness. And mm. it's like, oh my God, if I could just be equal to white people, things would be so incredible. And I, I, you gotta have a bigger purpose than that. And that's what is like, hey man, these little games we play, and it's great that LeBron can dunk a basketball and he won the MVP, but does it really matter at all? Jay. D- d- does, yeah, I'm so. Jay, here's the thing like being the first editor of Teen Vogue is not exactly like being Neil Armstrong and landing on the moon. It's not that great of a distinction. But going back to the Otani thing, I I know we wanted to talk about a couple months ago, but I was unavailable in terms of what Stephen A. Smith, I thought he took way too much uh, heat for that. And I'll be honest, as a boxing writer, I've written these stories when you have these foreign fighters or these Latin fighters from Mexico or Puerto Rico that don't speak English, but they're going to be very big stars. We all talk about, is he bilingual? And if he's bilingual, oh, my God, this guy could be a star. He could print up money like an ATM. And and we've written that about Gennady Golovkin. Uh, there are stories about when he becomes more adept at English, how it's going to help his marketability. So this whole notion that that asking a guy to be a little bit more fluent in the in the language or the native tongue of the country is going to make the bulk of his money in and do his work in. When did that become such a bad thing? Assimilation should not be looked upon as some sort of black mark. I actually look at it as like, hey, you're trying to assimilate to this great country. You're making a lot of money and you're going to add to what we ever have. What are we doing? Culture, entertainment. But I didn't understand why Stephen A. Smith saying, well, I think Major League Baseball would rather have an English speaking star. You know what? They would. That, that's the that's the most blunt way I could put it. Every promoter wanted a guy like Oscar De La Hoya coming out of the Olympics, who not only was a good looking Mexican, he was a Mexican-American that spoke English and Spanish. So now we fast forward from 1992 when he became a pro to 2021 where Stephen A. Smith can't say, well, I really wish the biggest name in baseball could speak English. I, I don't know where we've gone off the rails on that issue. Jim, I've heard you say similar things about uh, women. You like women who can speak English and speak in tongues. That, that, that's, part of my, that, that, that's part of my belief. I mean, honestly, if, if you can find you a woman that can speak in tongue, it only helps when you try to add the healing of hands. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, and finally, Steve, we got to let you go. You, what's your little take about the white shadow? What, okay. what do you got to get off your back? This, this offends me as a nation. This right here, I've got my protest signs. I am a, what you have with the wire, I have with the white shadow. I've literally watched every episode 10 times. I really have. So if you look at if you look at what it is, it's really a fictional Crenshaw High, right? Inner city school in L.A. You had a lot of black kids and really Coolidge was the only guy that could play. Let's be honest. So, he had, but he had a Mexican kid in Gomez. 
even had a Jewish kid in Goldstein. You had an Italian kid in Salami and then his cousin, Vitalia. Okay, so you're doing this, like, rainbow coalition. Here's my, my one gripe. You couldn't even get an Asian tutor? I don't want a player. Can we at least have an Asian tutor to keep everyone eligible? Now that offends me. So, so now, here's the thing that got me about Great Couch. He's talking about the white shadow, and all I could think about was his white guilt. Come on, Greg. It was a good show. God bless Ken Reeves. Great man. I I would say it wasn't a good show. It was a great show. It was a classic. Thank you. Thank you. And and it's like, it should be, somebody should remake it. It was, Larry, one of the great television shows of my childhood, you know, the highs of that, you know, probably Good Times is probably my favorite show of my childhood. Uh, Sanford Sons probably in there, but I would I would probably go Good Times and The White Shadow. That would be my one and two. I, I couldn't believe the the comments. Wasn't Reese the point guard? Am I Reese that was a guard, right? and he ended up driving a cab. And there was that famous episode with Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, I also I still get emotional the last time uh, Coach Reeves and his father hug each other. Uh, I mean, because it's so real. Because the last time I saw my father uh, really on his deathbed, <clears throat> and he hugged me really tight. It's just something very poignant about that. And every time Jackson goes to make that beer run at that liquor store after they qualified for the city championship, it's hard to watch that episode. And then you turned out Jackson, the actor, just had a contract dispute, so they had to off him. Kind of took away some of the magic. Still, though, great show. <laughs> I, I like that part where uh, the dude got killed at the, at the liquor store, and then at Jackson. the funeral they were singing to him, How do I... <laughs> Say goodbye (laughs) to what we had. (laughs) White Shadow to me, the White Shadow and the movie Cooley High. Mm. Two of my all-time favorites of my childhood. All right, Steve, great job. Thank you very much. Uh, Let me tell you about my uh, new email service. Free email service like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. You pay with your privacy. In fact, Big Tech companies bank on exploiting your data by selling it to the highest bidders. Your business plan, Google has it. Your medical records, Yahoo can sell them to drug companies. That's why you should be using StartMail. It makes all of us, particularly me, feel safe again. StartMail keeps my email private, period. Every email can be encrypted. Even the recipient doesn't use encryption, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. When you delete an email in StartMail, it's gone forever. And StartMail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Switching to StartMail is seamless too. You can easily transfer all your current email data so there's no starting from scratch. Your cybersecurity has never been more at risk. Start securing your email privacy with StartMail. Sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash fearless. That's startmail with a T. Startmail.com slash fearless for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. As I told you all, we would. Yesterday, uh, we ended the show with a pretty provocative conversation about 
black culture and does the culture that we keep talking about in the media, does it actually support uh, relationships between black men and black women? Uh, it was coming off of the announcement of Adele and Rich Paul, the NBA agent dating. And so I, as I told you yesterday, we were going to bring Dennis Evans back, uh, independent sports journalist, friend of the show. Uh, he and Dennis, Jimmy and myself had discussion yesterday. I said, we need a female voice. And so I reached out to Shamika Michelle, who has a popular social media feed over Twitter. She's the co-host of the Cut the Bull podcast. She's written a book called Keep It Naked, a, a Naked Girl's Guide to Life, to Live Life Authentically. Uh, and so <laughs> I wanted to start with how I framed up the argument yesterday, and then we're gonna bring Shamika in and get some thoughts from her. So here's how I framed up the discussion yesterday. You can't be defined by a hip hop culture that calls black people bitches and hoes and N words constantly and think that there's gonna be some sort of respect that comes out of that that makes you like, oh, when I'm thinking about partnering up, I want to partner with a black woman or to have a black woman say, when I'm thinking about partnering up, I want to partner with a black man. If your culture is hip hop and hip hop is defining black women as bitches and hoes and hip hop is defining black men as ignorant just to speak properly or accurately about what they say, what's said in hip hop. How is there any mutual respect between black men and black women coming out of this culture that would make them want to partner up in a relationship, have kids, and go through the struggle? All right, so that was yesterday. And uh, again, we needed a female perspective to join this uh, conversation. And so Shamika Michelle, uh, welcome to the show and just Quickly, tell us about your book and a little bit about your life journey that I, part of it I didn't know until uh, today, until the producers were telling me. But anyway, tell us about your book and a little bit of your life journey and how you landed where you are today. Keep It Naked is just an aggressive self-help book based on my life experiences. So I talk about everything from relationships and dating to religion and divorce. I found myself, I'm, I'm an ordained minister, a former ordained minister, and I found myself in church still having to preach, teach, dance, you know, what my life was cracking like glass. So I decided that, you know, once going through divorce that I was gonna stop lying, I was gonna remove the mask and I was just gonna be open, honest and emotionally exposed. So that birthed Naked Girls, a group of women that vowed to live that way. And I got a lot of people asking me advice over the years, so I decided to put it in a, in a book. That's how the book came to be. All right, so one of the things that caught me yesterday when I was, or the day before, I can't remember when I reached out to you, but uh, the ordained minister, you say a former ordained minister, uh, is how you, I think you describe yourself over social media. How do, can you be a former, once you're ordained, can't, aren't you always ordained a minister? 
You know, I I do, I guess, agree with that, but I just don't want to offend anybody. I'm very open. I like to talk about sex. Sometimes I may curse. And, you know, I don't want somebody thinking, oh, this is this, you know, super holier than thou Christian about to speak. And then I open my mouth and they're shocked. I am really down to earth. I'm very open and I'm very honest. So, you know, I don't want people thinking I'm getting ready to just have a long conversation about Jesus. I am not. Well, I mean, you're on the cover of your book, Naked. Wouldn't that be a... <laughs> That's how God sent her here. Now, you being real judgmental. Right. <laughs> Shamika, I have no problem with your Alva cover. I think uh, it just goes to show what a good God we serve. You go right on ahead, girl. Well, hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, so, Shamika, I asked you to follow our conversation yesterday your initial thoughts are, 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 do you think, are black men starting to prefer white women in perhaps more prevalently than we did in the past? You know, it seems that way. As a certified life coach, I do have a lot of black men that although I'm a black woman, they feel comfortable in telling me that they are starting to leave black women and go to white women or women that are not black. And I think a lot of those reasons are because you have a lot of strong, independent black women not realizing that that behavior comes across as dyke behavior. And I don't know if, you know, the word dyke is offensive but I use that because, in my opinion, a lesbian and a dyke are different. A lesbian is a woman who likes other women. A dyke is a woman who thinks that she's a man. So some of this strong, independent behavior that you see black women exhibiting is, is dyke behavior. You know, the idea of or feeling like you have to constantly say, I don't need a man, that's dyke behavior. You know, I can do anything you can do, I can do better, that's dyke behavior. Always wanting to stand chest to chest and toe to toe and argue with the man, that's dyke behavior. And any self-respecting alpha male is, you know, while he may get a little excited about the thought of girl on girl action, he is not interested in a dyke. So we do have a lot of black men that are just sick of black women and this strong, I don't need a man or constantly want to down a man, they're sick of it. So they are leaving and rightfully so, in my opinion. Uh, Shamika, so far, you're off to a very fearless start uh, mm. to your appearance here on, on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Sh should I ask her about the scissors? <laughs> no. no. Oh, should I... Uh, should I feign that I'm offended and that, you know, just to protect myself with some of her conversation, I need God to, can, can she say what she's saying and, and me not object? Can, can I do that, Uncle Jimmy? I don't, I don't. She's a guest. And if you try to uh, chain, uh, object to what she said, that would be rude to your guest. And would probably be sexist. Yes. Very, very. Positive. She has a right to say how she feels. And she hadn't told a lie yet. <laughs> She's she, she just telling the truth. I'm going to tell you like my preacher said, amen all by myself. You go ahead on, girl. Keep on talking. Uh, so I think we've heard, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. What's the biggest mistake that black women are making in your in your mind, and then for, what's the mistake we as black men are making in terms of relationships between black men and black women? 
I think the biggest mistake black women are making is we don't know how to shut up. You know, a man who has been out fighting in the world all day, he doesn't want to come home and listen to you nag all day long. And a lot of times women like to bait men into senseless arguments every day, just emotional foolishness. And I know that they do it because I have friends or associates that if I offend them or hurt them in any kind of way, they'll send these long, drawn out text messages, you know, just trying to to bait you into an emotional conversation. A man that is worried about putting a roof over your head, food on the table, clothes on your back, he doesn't have time for that. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is that black women don't know how to shut up. And one of the mistakes that men are making is trying to, you know, uh, meet them 50-50. You can't go half and half on craziness. You know, men need to stand flat-footed and have certain standards and require that women meet those standards. Or if not... Leave that. Leave them be. Did, did you bring yeah. that? Did you bring that ring that I asked? There may be a proposal on this show. I told you, boy. You better. You better get in line. <laughs> well, you at your weight class? Uh huh. <laughs> you know, honestly, with the way she talking, it ain't no need for us to be here. You just let her go. <laughs> Fearless with Shamika Michelle, maybe. Oh my goodness! Uh, wow. Uh, so, Shamika, what's the solution to the problem? I think the solution is really just men standing up and being men. You know, stop letting us. You know, you don't need to bend to our will. If you look at what has happened in society, we are we are a bunch of sissies now because of men trying to bend to the will of women and appease women. We need to stop doing that. Again, men, women need to get on board with what's happening or they need to get out the way. And it's really just that simple. You don't need to bend to our will any longer. You know, a, re- a woman wants a man who is, is stern, who is firm, who is comfortable in his authority. That's what we really want deep down. And any woman who doesn't choose that, you know, sometimes women chooses a man who is incompetent to make herself seem more competent. But uh, a, a real woman or a woman that's worth your time and energy wants you to walk in that authority. To me, as I'm listening to you talk, you sound like a female version of Kevin Samuels very popular YouTuber who's built a hell of a platform uh, talking about these issues. Are you familiar with Kevin Samuels? And is, is there some synergy there? Is that is that the lane you're trying to roll in? You know, I had some followers send me some of his clips to get my opinion. And while I don't agree with every single thing that he says, I definitely believe he's on the right track. How is your message received among black women? Do you get a lot of pushback from them for espousing your views? It depends, you know, it just depends on what I'm talking about. I have a lot of women that agree with me, you know, but I did catch a lot of feedback or hateful comments when I let women know that Father's Day was for men. You know, I the post after two million views was taken down, I was 
flagged on Facebook. But and most of the people that had an issue with it was were black women. They want to be the mother and the father. And I had to let them know you cannot be the mother and the father. It's not even biologically possible for you to be a male and a female. And if you do believe that you're the mother and the father, then you need to smack yourself twice because you're messing up in both roles. <laughs> That's called a two-piece. Pop, pop. Shamika, let me ask you this, because and, and I, I gotta be a bit more serious, and and, and I'm, I'm asking this seriously and not disrespectfully, but I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. <clears throat> Are they? biblically sound in your opinion the positions you're taking and 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 this is the question i'm at you you say you're a former ordained minister you're a minister was that a serious endeavor as a minister and i don't ask that disrespectfully i'm just trying to understand because i i rarely hear people speak as bluntly as you do and again, I know you, you, you're you making a point to say former ordained minister, but was that a serious endeavor? Did you run a legitimate church or work at a le legitimate church? And do you still have those religious beliefs? So I did uh, work in a legitimate church, but I don't believe that that was pushed. You know, we have a lot of women that are in control when it comes to the church, and that's error, in my opinion. I do believe that what I push now is biblically sound. If you look at the words help me, there, there are two words. The word help means to support and assist. To me, is to fulfill and satisfy. So any woman that is desiring to be a help meet should be looking to support, help, fulfill, and satisfy her man. We were put here for men, not the other way around. <laughs> I'm not joking. I just had tingles. <laughs> you, you, you think about coming back, ain't you? You think about coming back, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> I literally just had tingles run. Come back to Jamaica. Oh, <laughs> the back of my neck, like, do women actually talk like do black women actually talk like this? Go ahead and say that part. <laughs> Go ahead and say it just like that. Do, how, what percentage of black women do you think agree with your sentiment? Uh, actually, I don't know. Jace, I don't know, but I do think that there are more than we know. I just believe that the voices that have been amplified are the ones that are speaking BS. So you get to hear them a lot more than you get to hear people like myself. I was told here, looking at my notes, you got a take on little Nas X and his pregnancy. I think he just didn't he just have his album, Baby, and he posed on the cover of some magazine pretending to be pregnant? What, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's very disrespectful as someone who has birthed three children, gone through three pregnancies. I know exactly what that's like. And a man could never do that. And I think it's mental illness when you feel like you need to push that type of, you know, I see a lot of black women applauding him and thinking, you know, you go girl. First of all, he's not a girl. And I don't think you should Say respond that. or refer to anyone who has a penis as a female, period. Because in my mm. opinion, if you're that serious about about it, then cut it off. If you don't need it, cut it off. So if you still have it, you are a male and I will refer to you as such. So I think
think that is disrespectful that women kind of applaud that and then wonder why they're single, where you're pushing the type of behavior that you're not even interested in. So I, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. And I'm, I'm actually banned from going live on Instagram because of speaking out against Lil Nas X. <laughs> mm. Mm. So he got that kind of juice. <laughs> I guess. Actually, yeah, the, the 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 I call the alphabet mafia has that kind of juice. Uh, yes, they do. But but Dennis, I think you 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 had a question. You I had a question, yeah. and I was wondering this because I was looking at some stats, and they were saying how for interracial marriages is eighteen percent interracial between black males and white females. But then the stats said when it came to Asians and when it came to Hispanics marrying or dating outside, it was almost double what the percentage was. My question is, why are black men or as a race, why are we held to a different standard? Why is there more resentment when it comes to dating outside of the race when you're talking about they said in Asians, 47 percent of Asians born in America date outside of their race or marry outside of their race. Why don't we have the same resentment or why don't they face the same resentment and why do black men catch so much flack when you date outside of your race when it's not the truth when it comes to other races, Hispanics, Asians, they're doing it at a much higher percentage before black man is it's it's considered this taboo thing. Where does that come from? What do you think about that? So for me, I think one of the issues that we have to address is that sometimes black men date outside of their race and they say the reason is just simply I hate black women or, you know, they do they go with the physical aspects or they don't really stick with the love is love. You don't hear a lot of people make a a big deal so much about color. At least I don't I don't see Asians making a big deal about, you know, hey, I'm Asian and I don't like Asian women or Asian women are this, that or the other. But also, too, I just think as black people, we're a little more possessive. You know, I you know, I have white men ask me out all the time and I say to them, sir, you're going to get me killed. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, obviously, too, I can't imagine riding a pink penis. But, you know, I do think that, you know, we have we're a little possessive. So I think that's just something that we are naturally as a race. Dennis, I'm going to jump in and answer that question a little bit. What part of that question you going to answer? I'm going to answer the question about why we're held to a different standard. Oh, I thought you were talking about riding the pink penis. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Why we're held to a different standard. We define ourselves by race more than any other group. You never will hear Asian people going, I'm yellow. You got the yellow, 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 yellow. They, well, let me tell your yellow ass something. But literally, though, they find that offensive. Mm-hmm. To, to be defined as yellow. And I, I don't, re- I guess Hispanics, some of them call themselves brown or people of color. Not, not really. But they're not obsessed with it the way we are. Mm-hmm. We, our skin color is foremost important to our identity. Some of that, there's historical baggage in this country that, you know, because we were treated. But look, there was a long time when. Asian people, particularly Chinese people, were treated horribly in this country. But they, and and what we argue is, well, it's easier for them to assimilate. Mm 
And, and, and they argue like, no, we actually try to assimilate and, and you don't. And, and you, you, you know, you take all this great pride and do, and to the point that, that anything that's opposite of what white people do is seen as black and pro-black. And so it's like, oh, well, you know, white people, part of their culture is being educated. So let's be uneducated. That's black. And, and so we have been tricked into, have willingly gone into adopting values that uh, define us that aren't healthy, and then we end up having values that are not shared by other ethnic groups, but you know, not by white people, not by Asians. Hell, Hispanics look at us and the way we disconnect from family very quickly, <laughs> that ain't them, that ain't us. Uh, and so some of it is just on us in terms of, again, we've, everything is, you ain't black enough, you ain't black, and, and Asian people ain't going around, you ain't yellow enough. They sitting there, the, the, Asian people sitting around like, your SAT score ain't high enough. Uh, <laughs> credit score ain't high enough. <laughs> you ain't got no business. You can't take care of yourself and your family. You out here begging everybody to give you this and that. And we would rather stack up inside of a home, inside of a cleaners and build something for all of us and, and go from there. Y'all not willing to do that. Y'all want to check. Y'all want some sort of affirmative action. You don't want to cast your bucket down and build your own. And so, you know, we have set up and defined ourselves as different. And then we look, anybody that says, you know what, I'm going to step out here and do things a different way. Well, you ain't black and F you. And then that person has been defined as you ain't black. I was like, okay, I ain't black. Come here, uh, little. Uh, Miss Ann. Missy, Becky with the good hair, come on over right. here. Let me holler at you. You ain't got no problem with me and my credit score and my job and my little conservative values that mean, you know, I'm gonna have my ass at home at 10 at night because I got a job to go to at six in the morning. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm, anyway, last thing, uh, Shamika, that I wanted to ask you is that as a mother, the things we've talked about and from Little Nas X to this culture or whatever, what effect do you think all of this is having on kids? I think when you when it comes to Lil Nas X and you know seeing men in dresses, I think that it, it has a negative effect. Of course, the first role model should always be in the home. That's one of the things that I appreciate about my my girl's father. He told me very early on, you're gonna be the first example to these girls of what a woman is. And I've always taken that, you know, to heart and 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 held that has been very important to me. So I think, you know, when you don't have that in the home, they do look outside to, to entertainment, to TV, and what we're showing is just not conducive in producing families. You know, how do you destroy a culture? You destroy the community. How do you destroy the community? You destroy the family. How do you destroy the family? You destroy the man. And that's what we've been doing, especially in the black community, is really trying to destroy to destroy the man and it has not helped us. It's only hurt us and we have to make a change or we're doomed. Shamika, uh, <clears throat> can't wait to have you back tomorrow. 
Thursday, Friday. Jamaica, <laughs> please come back. Please. <laughs> Sweet yeah. black baby Jesus, please come back. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, we should give her Delano's spot, right? No, give her Dennis' spot. Hell, he ain't been here that long. Hell, he's just visiting. And we ain't even got his probation papers cleared yet. Hey, uh, I'm sorry we're out of time again. And so we no approval rating. No, 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 tomorrow? Oh, we'll, we'll play tomorrow. Oh, okay, but hell, that's all that matter to me. We will play tomorrow. Let's do that. As I get my freedom. Get out of here. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be